0: Welcome to another episode <laughs> of Vertical Voices.
1: Hey everybody, welcome back.
0: We're navigating all of the hate mail that we got for the Transmetropolitan episode. <laughs> May I say that's not very Christian of you.
1: <laughs> what would Jesus do? <laughs> well, Jesus probably wouldn't read Transmet, but maybe he would.
0: Okay, so we're back. Uh, Don't really have any news today. There was some, I think there was some, like, Sandman casting, but nothing major. It may have just been that one that I talked about a while ago, the actor that I'd never heard of in a role that was undisclosed. Yes. (laughs) So it's nothing big. I don't know. I'm sure we will be seeing more soon with uh, the release of the, uh, sweet tooth trailer it's what's one thing that's interesting to me is just the the difference in the netflix model in that there's not really any build-up there's not months of trailers and promotional posters and interviews and like it was what last week like oh here's a here's a new here's a fucking trailer for sweet tooth that comes out in a month (laughs) you know (laughs) the end
1: (laughs) right yeah when you said it to me i was like what really
0: already yeah there was there's been really no talk about the filming or script or who's hired and blah 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 it's just now it's done there you go uh, they, they announced it was being made and indeed they went out and made it and the end right <laughs> and the only reason we're getting any info about sandman is a it's a way higher profile property and b that neil gaiman just won't keep his mouth shut he's, <laughs> i was on the set they were filming this what do you think about that like woohoo yeah yes
1: neil <laughs> he's he's very much a giver is neil yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> And he likes, I think he likes playing with fans like that. Like, he likes kind of the tease and the lead-up and all that. I mean, fuck, he's been doing this for 40 years. so he, uh, <laughs>
1: He's earned the right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He knows
0: his shit. Um, I was just scrolling Twitter real quick to see if I could find anything, and there's nothing. So, just in case there was some update that I was not privy to this morning. I think we're caught up. Um, all right, so the next, um, got a new installment of Colby Has Issues. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, i got a couple. <gasps> so, oh. we had <laughs> talked to Jesus. Are you really, okay?
1: Really excited. <laughs> <laughs> I just what saw hell? what he has. <laughs>
0: um, I took a trip over to our uh, friendly neighborhood bookshop here giant nerd books because uh, they just relocated to the Garland District in town. Oh. Um, brand new location. Big open space. It's really cool. Uh, I kind of miss the, the old building when they were in the Dresden building because it's like an old Art Deco I don't know, wooden floors, like cramped space. I I, I like that look for an old bookshop. (laughs) Me too. But this new location is undoubtedly better, and again, it's wide open and everything. So I walked down there and was wandering through the graphic novels with a friend of mine and discovered Gejiro.
1: Hence my my excitement.
0: Anthony Bourdain. (laughs) Yes. Which I haven't read yet, so I picked that up um, in their used pile. And then I also grabbed Orbiter. Oh, hey. So they are two books that we talked about in our adaptation episode. Oddly enough, or- Orbiters by Warren Ellis, who yeah. we talked about last week.
1: Yes, we did. And that is a gorgeous-looking book. Yeah, nice hardback edition of
0: that. So anyway, got Get Jiro and Orbiter from Giant Nerd Books. You're a local source for books that are nerdy.
1: Let me just say that you have some fabulous issues. Yeah. I love oh, it.
0: Also, um, kind of going back to what we talked about last week with my issues... My card issues. Um, I and since today we're going to be talking about Superman. Spoiler: um, This is one of my one of my collections that I got of the Man of Steel cards. Ooh! So see how they're like they're nice and shiny. Yes, so pretty. So that was a late edition. The original run of these were all like flat, just silver. Mm-hmm. So I got this whole collection, and then I found that oh, they're like shiny silver ones too. So then I went back and rebought it, <laughs> <laughs> box by box, until I could get them all. Wow. Those and and really this one fun. I actually don't have all of the special ones of this one. Because they're like pure where is it? Right here. They're like pure silver. Ooh. And I only have one of those. There's five more. They're really fucking expensive.
1: How expensive?
0: Uh they're like fifty dollars each. Ay-ay-ay. It's cheaper just to buy in an open box and hope you get it.
1: <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> Cross your fingers. You know. <laughs> Those
0: are nice looking cards. Yeah. So yeah, those are my and then I got the like the Death of Superman ones here. This one like kind of annoys me, this folder. Because this is the Death of Superman one, and then you flip it, and it's the return of Superman. Oh. But you like that's a cool idea, but mm-hmm. you can't like you can't look at the cards like that upside down, they'll fall out. <laughs> so I like the idea of having a dual folder, but that's a terrible way of doing it. <laughs> and these are fun, like again, they just go through the Death of Superman. They're basically just comic panels. But there's a fun bit of uh, trivia, I don't know, legality of this one. So because of the Batman movies, there were Batman cards going as well. Mm-hmm. So legally, Batman couldn't show up in these. Oh. And Batman's not, not a huge part of Death of Superman, but he is a big part of the funeral. Right. And so they, act, they had to like get around it legally by swapping out Batman with Captain Marvel and Robin with Beast Boy, which then left a gap up here where Captain Marvel should be. So they threw in fucking... Uh, God, what is that character's name? He's like an, an old Charlton character. I can't remember his name. Um, I can't either. Didn't um, leave much of
1: an impression. But then on the
0: covers, they cut him out of a few, too. Like this one, this was a really famous cover of Batman throwing like Superman's torn cape off of a roof. Yeah. And then this, they replaced Batman again with Captain Marvel. And... In the original, he's got this huge sweeping cape that takes up like a good chunk of it. Captain Marvel doesn't, so it just looks weird now. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize that they had those legalities. Yeah. But interestingly, legally, Nightwing could appear. Hmm. Because at the time, Nightwing was on the Justice League Task Force. So um, he was a Justice League character not a Batman character. So there. Even though that's fucking Robin. This is Robin <laughs> with a different outfit. <laughs> it's true. Anyway, it's just weird, weird little legal things. And on that Man of Steel card collection that I have, they actually have a card about the death of Superman. And they show Shazam and Beast Boy, again, being pallbearers. But there is there is a card about Superman meeting Batman in there. Oh, really? So, yeah, I don't know. I don't oh. know what the legality was then. That was a couple years after these.
1: Made some type of agreement for a special appearance, apparently. Uh-huh. Huh. With special appearance by Batman. <laughs> <laughs>
0: One card and one card only.
1: Those are great cards, but yeah. they're not Bloodlines, which also has yeah, Superman. But... That's true. <laughs> uh, is there any Batman in it, though? I bet there's not. <laughs> you know, I don't think there is. Yeah. What,
0: what year was that? Because, again, the Batman was, like, tied in with the movies, so I don't know if they had movie cards that late.
1: This is, like, what, nine, like you're saying, 93, 94? This is
0: 93. So that probably, probably was a part of the Batman embargo.
1: Mm, probably. But... Like you said, leading into our subject today. Yeah.
0: However, there's one more thing I want to talk about. Oh,
1: go right ahead. Pardon me.
0: Your uh, your your comment on Facebook. You want to lead into it? Oh yeah. This discussion. I just I wanted to bring this up because this is something I'd like to talk about because it just kind of confuses and irritates me. <laughs> um, but uh, but so you you posted a query on Facebook to your friends, many of which are not not in this world of comic books and nerdiness. So what, what was your, what was your question?
1: I asked people, especially my friends who enjoy reading and I know are bookworms, why do you not read graphic novels? That's actually the the segment of people that I wanted to hear from. And, uh, you know, what, what would stand in your way of becoming a comic book graphic novel reader? And there were some interesting replies. Um, and I understand, and I I don't want to sound confrontational because i'm genuinely curious about why there are adults who don't read graphic novels leading into that yes
0: i just so yeah i'll be confrontational <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. i don't know any of these fucking people <laughs> um, but like I, I guess for me my biggest thing would be like why don't you read graphic novels or comics i would assume the answer would just be interest like i don't care about superheroes that's not something i like or i don't like those storylines, or, you know, whatever. Like, I just don't have any interest in it. The end. But, like, some of the answers that we you got are really odd to me. And just, like, kind of a fundamental misunderstanding of literature and <laughs> culture and the way the mind works. <laughs> so, I just, I don't get it. Like, some of the answers, like, like somebody just said, pictures are distracting. I prefer the images I create. Well, okay, like I get that if you're reading a novel, but do you create images of movies that you watch or television shows or you know people that you talk to or the world outside because these are all different and since graphic novels and comics have their own images why would you assume that you would need to create them that is a good question
1: i don't know well and the comment too about being a speed reader it's like hey then comics are almost kind of made for you if you're yeah, a speed exactly. reader.
0: and you know there's plenty of like big heavy books out there like fucking read from hell speed read that i dare you <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> just, it's the size of a phone book it I is mean, it's fucking huge <laughs> and again like just i i was really perplexed by a lot of these answers and i feel okay picking on these people because i know they're not listening to this because they don't give a shit about comics Fair enough. <laughs> and then like like somebody who actually somebody i know said i hate the layouts like, what mm-hmm. the fuck does that mean? Because every comic has a different layout. <laughs> like, some are grids. Some are huge splash pages. Like, no, no two comics are laid out exactly the same.
1: Right, right. I mean, isn't it manga that you read it backwards well, and from yeah. right to left? I mean, well, again, just, like, there's so many different layouts.
0: And, and I, I assume that by layouts, they're meaning grid structure of, like, multiple pictures on a page. Mm-hmm. But there's also comics that don't adhere to that. There's some that mix it up. Most of them mix it up. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a stab in the dark here because I know her. I'm thinking that by layouts, what she means is tight grid layouts because she's probably read Watchmen.
1: Oh, could be, yeah.
0: Watchmen is designed to have super tight grids because it mimics uh, like a Rorschach test. You know, like, like as you read through the book, the images mirror each other mm-hmm. from beginning to end. And because of that, it's got really tight uh, frames with very few, if any, I guess there's a couple uh, splash pages
1: right right that's a good point the one i i will i will pick on i love her to death but i'm gonna pick on her i, I actually will pick on my aunt alice i'm coming you, for you you don't have to say names <laughs> i know.
0: was trying to be nice no, okay. now you're being confrontational <laughs> No, i am i am
1: okay, where, no. on, I'm trying to find, oh, there we go <laughs> there okay. she is but yeah i love her and i know she loves me because i got part she is responsible for um a good portion of my love of reading. Real books. Real, real books, books. Aunt Alice. Aunt Back. Alice. <laughs> By that standard, you're saying, okay, something like Fifty Shades of Grey is a valid piece of literature, yeah. or something like the book we're going to talk about today yeah.
0: is not. She even brings up Persepolis. Yes. And she, again, calls that essentially not a real book.
1: Well, and it's, that's so funny, too, because you go down
0: farther. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's... She's somebody who's, who's lived, who's, yes, like again, she, like she mentions going to Iran, like she, she essentially has lived a similar, well, not similar, but uh, she's lived in the time and, and place that Persepolis takes place.
1: Exactly. So it's like, just give it a try, because I think she would probably really like that book.
0: And it's funny that she lights up when you mentioned that there was a movie. Like, there's a movie?
1: <laughs> yes.
0: Well, fuck this stupid non-real <laughs> book. I'm going to watch the movie.
1: Well, you should because the movie is really good too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But yes, the real books, and I like what you said earlier, the point you made about, well, when you listen to music. Yeah, you-
0: yeah. Because uh, one thing that keeps fucking permeating this. Like, multiple people say this, is like, I prefer the pictures in my head. Or when I'm reading, I like to imagine what's going on. Nah, 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 nah. But like, this is this is art. You're literally looking at what you're seeing. And for people who, who read and only like the images of, in their head, like... Does that argument get applied to other things then? Is it like, "Well, I don't like listening to the radio because I prefer my own lyrics to that song or I prefer the way I would sing it in my head." Right. <laughs> it was just like, "That's that's such a weird complaint that is so myopic that it literally it, it's literally there's only one type of media that that complaint applies to." Right. It's only the printed word. Well, this isn't the printed word. It's printed word with pictures. And it's, it's as different to reading purely words as, as listening to the radio is to watching a movie.
1: Right, right. And, like, that applies to, like, I know a few of these people are newspaper readers. It's like, well, I, I know you read the comics in the newspaper. Yeah. So, I mean, granted, those are shorter versions. But still, like you said, it's it's a very narrow lens at which to look at storytelling. When you stop and think about it, it's it's like, well, I mean... Why wouldn't you at least give it a try? Because there's so many, again, so many thousands and thousands of stories. Yeah. And I think I'm not saying this applies to these people, but the idea that comic books and graphic novels are just, you know,
0: superheroes—it's a—it's—it's a its its <laughs> yeah it, its an old mindset. It's the thinking of like the '50s and '60s of like, well, these are funny books for kids. And like, I mean, we've come so far past that that it's not even worth bringing up.
1: Right, right. Because <laughs> everyone knows this now. <laughs> It's flailing the meat yeah. off a dead horse. <laughs>
0: and it's, yeah, go, going back to that earlier point, it's like I, I don't like the works of Georgia O'Keeffe because the uh, vaginas in my mind. <laughs> better.
1: And maybe they are, <laughs> but
0: you know, I was I was going to say flowers, and at the last second, I'm like, fuck that, go for the joke. We know what she was really painting. <laughs> <Yeah, exactly. laughs>
1: Oh, I'm going to use that later. I don't know when, but I'm going to look for a situation. I'm, I'm just going
0: to plop it right now into this, into <laughs> this feed of this conversation.
1: Boom. <laughs> but I do have to hand it to um, one of the people that commented. They actually said, Hey, here's a graphic novel oh, that yeah. I read recently,
0: which I have not read. The White Donkey by Max Uriarte.
1: Yeah.
0: I think I've never heard of it. Don't know that author. But yeah, looks interesting enough. Um, that was another one. Like, the illustrations ruins the picture in my head. Again, how is that? It's literally filling it in in your head. It's not ruining it. It's giving you what the picture character looks like.
1: Right, right. Because you have no, you have no familiarity with this particular yeah. story. Like, you don't know what you're supposed to see.
0: Exactly. Like go ahead. And that's, it's, it's, this, again, this isn't a fucking novel. This isn't a book with just words. It's literally giving you the pictures so there's nothing in your head to ruin. It's like saying that, you know, Christopher Reeve's Superman. Like, well, that ruined my idea of what a live-action Superman should look like because I imagined he'd have, uh, you know, a green dildo in his head. <laughs> and why wasn't his hair a red mohawk? Right. In my mind, that's what it looks like. like no, it doesn't fucking... This, that's, they're giving you the character.
1: Exactly.
0: Like, does photography of, you know, a field ruin the field that you had in your mind?
1: <laughs> like Yeah, when you go to see the Mona Lisa, you're like, that's not what I had in my head. <laughs> yeah.
0: And then, and and I will take it even farther. Like, we mentioned this when I talked about, oh, Christ, Neverwhere. In that there's so many iterations of that story, and they all take up equal space in my mind. And that, like... I don't even like that excuse when talking about adaptations of like, well, I don't like the movie based on this book because in my mind, the characters look so different. Like, well, that doesn't fucking matter because your version of events only matter to you.
1: Exactly. Like there will never probably be an adaptation of it that lives up to the images that I have in my head of what it looks like when I read the story. But you know, surprise, surprise. It doesn't have to. It doesn't have to.
0: Because that's literally only valid to you.
1: Right, right. And like
0: my right. version of like like that and that's I don't know. I guess I, I just I wish people were like me. <laughs> and there's the thing, Exactly. It's it boiled down to. That's uh-uh. well, just because again, like like we talked about last time with the whole truth versus belief and all that is that in my mind, my version is not important to anyone like I know that. Mm-hmm. So that's why they're all valid to me. When I watch Neverwhere, that's that's the TV version of Neverwhere, which is different but it's not in conflict with the version in my mind that I read. That's still there. Yeah, it's exactly. It's still there. They can occupy the same space without being uh against each other. Right. And I I guess I just I wish more people were open to that.
1: Well, on that note, let's find my mom's comment is actually under her under her boyfriend because she always comments under her boyfriend's account so that she doesn't. I thought ha- it was
0: toward the top, but I guess I'm wrong.
1: Um, let's look for Richard. His name is Richard. What did she take it off? No, no, Madre.
0: I saw it earlier, but no, I'm not.
1: It was under there somewhere. Oh, Madre. Anyway. Um, basically what my mom said was, and it was just one sentence, it was along the lines of, I like being able to see the images that the author has in their head when they create something, meaning <laughs> she would be open to reading comic books. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, this episode is going to come out after Mother's Day, but I'm going to shout it out anyway. That is why my mother is the youngest 65 year old you will probably ever meet because she is open to the idea that is like, oh, there's many ways to tell a story and there's many ways to hold that story in your head and visualize it.
0: Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of why this, like, triggered me so much is because it's just, this is fandom thinking. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's, I fucking hate that. And I've talked about this so many times. I was actually just getting into an argument with one of my friends about it the other day, Mm -hmm. about Last Jedi, of course. Of course. He brought up Last Jedi. I'm like, don't fucking do this. Um, You want to go
1: there? Really?
0: (laughs) And, uh, but anyway, it's just that I I hate fandoms and I hate that possessiveness that fandoms have. Mm -hmm. And that, my, my love or hatred of things. I try to internalize as much as I can and only let it out when it's like a reason to criticism. <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> well, and, and that's probably the, the, uh, biggest issue I have in this debate too, is that, okay, like you said, if you don't want to read comic books cause they're not your thing, fine. I totally get that. There's other mediums of storytelling that I'm like, ah, I would prefer not, um, but it, it is kind of based out of the uh, the old, tired argument that this is not a valid form of yeah, literature.
0: exactly. Real books.
1: <laughs> real books. Yeah,
0: real books. And I mean, why, fuck, everyone's got their thing that they're not into. Like, and when it comes to media, there's so many forms of media. Not everyone has to like everything. Right. And that's fine. Just say that it's not your thing. <laughs> Instead of rationalizing ways to make you better than that thing.
1: <laughs> Amen. So think about it, guys.
0: <laughs> that, that said... I am better than musical theater.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and because you're my friend, I'm going to let you think that. <laughs> but just know that deep down you're wrong. <laughs>
0: That's definitely the uh, the form of media that is not my thing. <laughs> I'm speaking way. as someone who's been in multiple productions <laughs> of musical theater. It's not for want or lack of trying. I uh, just don't click with it.
1: Did you ever have to sing? Yes! <laughs> fuck yes of course
0: how <laughs> so, you be in a musical theater and not sing
1: <laughs> well you know sometimes there's like well i should i should um you know define... oh, I mean like not chorus yes not yes
0: yes i uh what was it song in seventy seventy six. hey mama look sharp
1: is there a recording of this that exists somewhere
0: oh yes <laughs> i'm sure there are this was 2002 when i was in that play um and I think I actually—I probably have a VHS copy of it at my parents' house somewhere.
1: <laughs> so yes, um, comment, send us email, um, support the airing of Colby's 1776
0: solo for the world. I am proud of my work. Okay, I—I <laughs> I was a glimmering diamond in that pile of shit
1: play. <laughs> I'm sure you were. I'm sure you no,
0: were. I <laughs> I, no, I mean, I, I don't have any, like, embarrassment about it. I just don't like theater, or uh, uh, musical theater. Didn't like it when I was in it. I don't like watching it.
1: <laughs> well, and I feel like, okay, yeah, you're right. That's just not your preferred form of storytelling. Yeah. But watching Cats in the theater did not help. I oh, yeah, say. exactly.
0: But that, that, was, <laughs> that was years after this decision had already been solidified. Have you ever seen Hot Fuzz? Yes. There's a scene in Hot Fuzz that encapsulates all of my feelings about musical theater in like half a second. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. When they're sitting there watching the production of Romeo and Juliet and the the lights fade out and then it, the lights burst back on and they start singing the love fool and it cuts to Simon Pegg with this just perplexed and irritated look on his face like like wide-eyed <laughs> horror and that one image is the like that's me, man. That's I he gets it. <laughs> That said, I don't have any pretense or whatever. Like, I, you know, I joke about it, but it's not like I think that's a lesser form of art. It's just an art that I don't like. <laughs>
1: you will not be buying tickets to off-Broadway yeah. shows anytime and soon. And Christ
0: knows, they it, they make enough money that there's plenty of people that love musical theater, and just theater in general, so I'm clearly not the voice of of... Uh, of reason here
1: (laughs) it does have plenty of disciples
0: (laughs) i didn't know we were doing a musical theater episode (laughs) fucking hell we're almost halfway in we haven't even addressed the superman elephant in the room
1: we bring a lot to vertigo voices
0: (laughs) all right so yeah today we are going to be talking about superman kind of but the comic book it's a bird. This is by, uh, Stephen T. Siegel? Siegel Siegel, Siegel, Siegel. Yeah. And Teddy Christensen, the team behind House of Secrets. Another Vertigo story.
1: Which we will Vertigo someday, someday cover here. Yeah, I have the
0: whole series. Never read it, though. <laughs> I even have this, uh, the follow-up facade. Where oh. How did that come first? I don't know. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Fucking hell. Um... So, uh, yeah, so it's a bird. This is a, a story about, like, written by Steven Seagal. It's very autobiographical and um, really digs into to his own life and his, you know, his past while trying to deal with writing Superman. Mm-hmm. This, Steven Seagal is, is a comic book writer. He's actually probably better known outside of the comic book world, but people don't realize it because he's part of a creative team called Man of Action and they've created multiple TV series. Uh, they created Ben 10, an animated series. Oh, yeah. It's been going on for fucking decades. They created the comic book series, uh, Big Hero 6. Oh, yeah, It's been turned into a movie for Disney. And, um, I don't know, other things as well. I'm drawing a blank on some of the, his other contributions. But um, as man of action, they've, they've come up with a lot of stuff. But individually, he's also a pretty well-known comic book writer. And this story is all about him being offered Superman and uh, his, I guess, emotional turmoil with writing the book.
1: Which is, well, I mean, I'm just going to say right now this book is very special. I I had never read it before and I read it and it almost made me cry. Not quite, didn't (laughs) quite get there, but, you know, there there were some feelings welling up.
0: Yeah, the deeply emotional look at what it takes to identify with a character like Superman. Exactly. and and you know again while that's kind of almost the window dressing like this isn't a Superman story at all it's all about this guy's past and how that informs his present mm-hmm. and his future you know um, and just kind of coming to terms and accepting the past even the damaging parts of it right and it like it opens with a flashback of him as a kid in a hospital uh, while his was it his Grandma, his grandma, grandma yeah. his grandmother's dying in the hospital and him and his brother are reading a Superman comic while their family are kind of talking and that that's like ripples throughout the storyline he keeps going back to that moment and at the beginning he describes hospitals as smelling like something bad covered by something worse <laughs> like Jesus yeah like that's that's totally that mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever been able to describe what a hospital smells like that succinctly <laughs>
1: It, it, it's very, very true. I guess for, for, if, you, if you're going to be, this is a very simplistic way of explaining it, but to be stuck in the thought process of like, oh my God, I've been asked to write Superman. How do I tell a Superman story? You're right. This isn't a Superman story, but the way he infuses, you know, that hero and what he stands for and um, the differing, you know, ways that we intellectualize about him it's a clever, very moving way to tell Superman's story.
0: Yeah. yeah, it's really, really interesting. and Like, again, just the connecting it with his past and using, using Superman almost as, like, a therapy to work through his issues with his past. Mm-hmm. And Superman has always been described as kind of a beacon of hope, like uh, a, oh, what's the word, like a paragon of what humanity could aspire to. And in a way, that's what this book does, too just on a more personal level of internalizing those messages and building yourself better from it
1: mm-hmm. there's a great um, well there's many great scenes in this book i really like the artwork
0: too yeah. teddy christensen has kind of like a watercolor style that's stylized but also very like rich mm-hmm. I, don't I don't know i don't really know how to describe it because there's there's kind of a lack of clarity and an abundance of texture (laughs) which are conflicting and it's it's singularly unique um i've never seen another style like this and christians style varies throughout the book depending on the story being told because there's the larger narrative but then there's constant flashes to poetry and kind of thoughts on superman by steven each time one of those cuts in the art style changes.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And, um, you just flip to a page that, uh, I can't remember what page it's on, but, um, it is a thought process that he's having about, you know, taking on a Superman story and the way he draws like the boardroom of DC, yeah. it looks almost like a temple. And like, he's there being passed a torch by all these people sitting around this huge table. Yeah. Um, and it's, it, it's a quick, succinct way to express, um, how revered this character is and what it might... Like, the pressures that come with being like, tell a good Superman story.
0: Yeah. Uh, so going back at the beginning, he was talking about being in the hospital with his family and he talks about uh, distrusting distrusting the doctors because he felt like they were, like, secret agents keeping information from his family. Mm-hmm. Now That was a really interesting... It's almost thrown off here, but it's, it's a really interesting way to describe that because that's a huge issue in society of just misunderstanding confidentiality and treating it like it's secrecy right there's a difference between confidentiality and secrecy and obviously when it comes to medical issues like there's there's laws and rules about that but society sees that as as uh being secretive and that breeds distrust between you know medical professionals and john q public Exactly, and it was, yeah. just, it was again like it was almost thrown away here. But like as I was reading it, I'm like, "Fucking hell, that's that's huge! <laughs> like that could be th- the story." <laughs> it really could. It
1: really, and the way that they're drawn to, and he's talking about that, they go from yeah. looking like semi regular people to almost these creatures with dark eyes that you know are are being very um, yes secretive yeah. and keeping people in the dark.
0: I like how there's a recurring bit where every time somebody says like the number one superhero. And he goes not in sales. <laughs> right. Every single time, it's not like he's trying to depower Superman, so he doesn't have to deal with it.
1: <laughs> not in sales, yeah. yeah. Sales, um, and that's that. That's kind of funny too. Is that you know everyone he talks to about this, like even his girlfriend, who you know she doesn't like comics, yeah. but he's like, I've been offered Superman, and she's like, Oh my god, you have yeah. to take it. Oh, Superman.
0: <laughs> right. yeah. um, I wrote. Page 49. Argument turns into fight. Oh, yes. I don't know why I did that. Um, I don't know. I'll get to it in a second. But uh, there's there's a bit where like he's got that friend that keeps asking him who would win in a fight. Superman or whoever. <laughs> yeah. I fucking hate those discussions. <laughs> I can't remember if I've talked about it here or not. But that's that's a staple of nerd culture. Mm-hmm. Who would win in a fight? Superman or the X-Men? Or what if, what if Batman had a laser gun... But Lex Luthor was in a wheelchair. You know, like this is this con- <laughs> like I fucking hate those arguments. And I always get roped into them by well-meaning fans. <laughs> Anytime I'm with comic book fans, that shit always comes up. And my answer is always the same. And that's whoever the writer wants to win. <laughs> Good Who would win in a fight between this and that? Like, it doesn't matter. Whoever, whoever the writer wants to win. There's no logical way that Batman should ever beat Superman but he always does because the writers like Batman better and so they find ways for Batman to beat him and that's just that's the that's reality these are fictional characters who would win is a matter of who's holding the pen when the issue is written the end (laughs) (laughs) you don't want to talk about it
1: (laughs) yeah yeah I can see how that would get frustrating after a while
0: like well you know Wolverine's power level like I shut the fuck up (laughs) Power level changes on who's writing it! Exactly,
1: exactly.
0: <laughs> no,
1: I, that's a good answer. I'm going to use that now.
0: And it's just, again, it's constant. I've, I've been dealing with this shit my whole life, and I never like those conversations because it's, it's literally just a popularity contest. Right. And it's whoever whoever you're talking to, whoever they like more, is who they're going to push to win. Exactly. Like, well, this could, character can do this, I and in mean, this one issue, we did that. I'm like, okay, you, you've, you've got an encyclopedic knowledge of. You know why uh, Cyclops would beat fucking Jean Grey or whatever. Like I, I get that, but again, within the context of a story, it's always going to be whoever the writer wants.
1: Exactly, exactly. But like you alluded to, is why Batman keeps winning. Yeah. <laughs> but I want to know: um, is did this really happen? This part coming up here in the book.
0: The thing about hit what the punch? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. i think the whole thing about his family and huntington's disease is true oh yes um but i I don't know about this but let me see so the discussion so uh there's this whole thing on issue 49 where Siegel's talking to another writer who's talking about superman and it leads to an altercation
1: he's the current writer of superman jake
0: allen and he says at the time of soup's creation you had immigrants leaving europe in hopes of a better life in america And you had Kal-El leaving Krypton for a chance at a better life on Earth. El is a Hebrew name, suffix meaning ascension or God. Uh, Siegel and Schuster were both kids of Jewish immigrants, sensitive about the expectations put on them to make it in America. So Superman, even though he's from another world, is like the best citizen of his society. Anyone with the will can make it here. And then Siegel goes, that's crap. (laughs) That's the myth of America. But Superman doesn't use human virtues. He uses alien trump cards. He beats the crap out of people who don't play the game his way. And then his friend who's always asking about who would win goes, that's so cool. (laughs) He fights for American ideal, but he fights with his fists. He's an alien interloper and he's after our women. (laughs) And the other guy goes, he's a farmer's son. He's after one woman, same as any guy would be. But he's not any guy. He's Superman. He's superior. He's not showing us what we, what we can be because we can't be from another planet, have X-ray vision, flight, or super strength. And then he goes, have you ever read the comic? <laughs> What's that supposed to mean? You're talking about Superman like he's the enemy, overthinking him. Don't tell me how I'm thinking. Hey, Relax. I'm just suggesting that you may not know. Whack! (laughs) Yeah,
1: didn't
0: see that coming, honestly. So that's why I wrote that down. That conversation, that back and forth, just reminds me of, like we've talked about many times, the two opposing ideals of Superman. Like the idea of... Seeing him as a paragon of virtue, and then like, no, he's not. He's a fucking outsider. He's weird. He's different. He's he thinks he's better than us. Blah blah. blah. And it, it's the the Snyderverse idea of <laughs> Superman versus the way writers traditionally portray him.
1: Right.
0: And that the idea of of this this writer uh, Siegel fighting that concept or that v- uh, reading of Superman and like being so frustrated that somebody else isn't seeing his point that he just socks him.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just I didn't see that coming in the book at all. I was like, whoa! That escalated quickly. Yeah. And throughout the book, when he's thinking about it, how he likens Superman to... I can't remember what the phrase is, but there's a page where he's looking at all of these different ways that humanity translates uh, power, yeah. which is usually us destroying the hell out of each other. And he... Applies that to Superman in, uh, I I think, in an effort to uh, um, write him off and not have to worry about, you know, coming up with with a story. And, you know, deeper-seated issues throughout
0: the book. So another thing, like, uh, going back to the fucking (laughs) Snyderverse, uh, (laughs) they always talk about how, like, he's realistic, more realistic in that, more realistic take. And he brings this up a few times in here, too, about, like, how it's just not realistic doesn't like the character. He's not realistic, blah, blah, blah. And then when his father disappears, yeah, his father disappears in the story, and he starts going through ideas in his head, why, like what could have happened to his daughter, or to his father. His dad doesn't have to be dead. Maybe maybe dad's a CIA sleeper operative who was activated to overthrow a terrorist cell. Maybe dad lost his memory and is wandering through West Virginia trying to remember who he is and how to get home. Maybe dad turned gay, ran off with his barber, and was too embarrassed to tell anyone. So he's talking about a character who's not realistic, but these, this real setting that he's dealing with, he's creating just as outlandish situations to try to deal with reality.
1: Right, right. Because he doesn't want to think that maybe his yeah. dad is off dead somewhere.
0: Yeah, exactly. And it's, just, it's funny to me that somebody who's trying to root fiction in reality is rooting their own reality in fiction.
1: Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs>
0: because it's much easier to swallow that yeah. way right i said that while, while dealing with a real crisis steve runs through a bunch of ridiculous scenarios just to try to make himself feel better
1: um i like to how um uh, you know the the secret and i say that in air quotes um around his family's issue in the book for those who haven't read it is uh, you know huntington's disease and um how it can skip a generation and I won't do the final reveal of where he remembers the conversation that his parents had in the hospital, because I mean, to me, that was a very impactful moment and I don't want to spoil it for someone who hasn't read the book. Um, But like the way he starts out the association of Superman, you're not even consciously, um, but like a subconscious idea of the way that someone on his grandma's chart added the S at the end in red lettering and the way uh, that Superman has is portrayed in that dream of you know one day he wakes up and he goes outside and he's naked you know like that that classic yeah. idea and then but the next dream he has is much scarier where superman goes outside everyone else is naked but he has his uniform on mm-hmm. you know and now the idea of that's even scarier because now everybody can see what you try so hard to hide and how he ties that in with um Huntington's disease having such a stigma on it because it was so misunderstood and how his family has just like this iron grip
0: yeah.
1: on their, um, their inability to talk about it.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think every family probably has that Oh, definitely the thing that you don't talk about. We all know it. We don't talk about it. And it's just like gets pushed aside every, uh, every family dinner or whatever. You know, it's an interesting exploration of how that can just rot someone. It and, is, you know, that when when something like that is forced upon a child and then having to process that without it being talked about mm-hmm. and having to deal with that your entire fucking life. And, but yeah, you know, this is—it's such a weird layered book because there's that, there's like family history, there's Superman and relating to that, and then it's also this is just a really pure look at the creative process. Exactly. Like there's a page seventy one. He's just talking to himself, one thing writers have in common is a need to procrastinate. People don't really understand this, but it's not avoiding work, it is work. Going to lunch, cleaning the house, walking around, eavesdropping, reading. All of it informs the process of pulling a story out of nowhere. After you've burned through the two or three tales that that are born into your brain, you have to siphon the rest from your environment. So when I need something for my stories, I open my eyes and ears to the world around me, because I never know where the next idea or scene or line of dialogue is going to come from.
1: I really appreciate that.
0: Yeah, this is really interesting because I, that's one of the things that like, I've always, you know for years growing up, I've always wanted to be a storyteller or tell stories and then be like, "Well, I've, like, I've got like, you know, one decent story inside me." that <laughs> I just just came to me whole cloth. And then other than that, like, yeah, that's, you literally just have to be aware of the world and let the stories come to you.
1: It's, like you said, it's just as much a story about the creative process and trying to write as it is uh, his personal bio.
0: Wrote something snide and mean-spirited. <laughs> so he's talking to the guy on the, on the train, subway, bus, whatever. And the guy's talking about, like, Superman. He's like, I could use a little more of that kind of justice in the real world. Especially kids. I think they need to read more comics, you know? And then he goes, you'd be surprised at the lessons in today's comics. A lot of stuff has changed since you and I read them as kids. A lot of the heroes aren't at the least bit heroic, just snide and mean-spirited. Besides, kids can't afford comics anymore. <laughs> that's, that's, again, that's kind of like the, the shift of comics in the 80s um, being uh, all about the fans and less about the kids anymore and just the the natural maturing of the subject matter. But then, like, the not being able to afford them. Like, yeah, dude, when I was... When I was a kid in the '90s, late '90s, that's when comics started hitting like two to three dollars a pop. Right, and right. You know, it, that's that's a week's worth of allowance,
1: maybe. <laughs>
0: exactly. So you either do that, or I could buy a few pogs. <laughs> <laughs>
1: exactly. <laughs> that's a good point. And you know, and the like back in the day, um, back in the day. Oh God, I'm actually using that phrase now. Mm. Um, when you had to. Well, if, if you were me, you had to get it in the grocery store because we lived way out in, you know, Buku. Yeah. So it could be, like, another several weeks before we made it to the grocery store, and by then the issue that you wanted to buy that was the follow-up to the issue that you bought before was already off the shelf. Yeah, exactly. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but, There's
0: something I, I read about their dinner, like, right after he talks to the guy on the train, he's trying really hard to not internalize what the guy said. <laughs> And he was like, he was going on about superheroes and justice, but he uh, he had no idea what he was talking about. <laughs> and that's just, that's just such a fanboy reaction. of Like, I disagree with your read on this, so you don't know what you're talking about. And you can see that on the internet a hundred times right this second. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thousands of times, yes, even. <laughs> yeah, probably,
0: <laughs> fucking Twitter.
1: Yeah, and um, this is armchair psychology that I'm posing here, but how really like he's obviously so depressed and he's so angry and he's in uh, um, such confusion and hurt about this family secret that they've been keeping for years and years. And I like the scene where um, he thinks about, um, you know, his, his girlfriend's mad at him yeah. because he won't talk to her. And she's like, what, there's a line in there. He's like, she's washing the dishes. so hard yeah, yeah. It sounds like she's breaking them. <laughs> yeah. And um, he has a moment where he thinks, okay, I'm going to open up to her. And yeah. I'm going to tell her what's really, really going on. And that moment, he transforms into Superman. Yeah, yeah. Until he like decides, like, oh, no, I can't do it. And then yeah. he's just himself again.
0: I thought it was funny. Yeah, right there. I need the strength. or I need to find the strength. Lisa, there's something I want to tell you. I'm going to stay at my brother's for a while. <laughs> right. <laughs> but that's so that's funny too because I, I started to write about that because of their argument and I don't like I, I understand where both of them are coming from and I understand her wanting him to open up and to but at, at the same time like he's a writer that's what writers do like, <laughs> you, you have to know that that's what you signed up for <laughs> yeah. um but there's something that like she does right here when she's hounding him to say like, like she she at one point says, Do you need space? And do you need me to leave? Like you? and he's like, No, I'm just stay. like clearly. <laughs> and then he finally opens up and says, like, you know, I need space. And she gets pissed off at it.
1: She takes it very personally. Yes. Yeah. And then
0: she's like, Fine, you don't want me around, then then I'm out of here. And then she bugs him like a day later with constant phone calls. <laughs> and it's somebody just told you what they need. And you are taking it to be a slight on yourself instead of the reality that that is what they need yeah. and so in, instead of instead of giving him that space she's constantly continuing to hammer him about what he needs and like he already fucking told you let <laughs> right his comments.
1: exactly oh well, yeah but she, the first time she calls him she's like are you yeah. really not gonna call yeah, me yeah exactly <laughs>
0: And I know I am, I am internalizing this to an unhealthy degree because I think you're supposed to identify with her more than him in that posi- in that situation. Probably. But I don't at all. Because <laughs> I've fucking been there.
1: <laughs> well, and that's the thing, too. It's like, you know, if, if anyone who's gone through a bout of serious, serious depression, yeah, it's like, it sucks because you don't want to talk to anyone, even the people who love you dearly and just want to yeah. help.
0: And to some people, they, they do need that human connection, and some people don't. Some people just need to be alone for a little bit and deal with it. And obviously, I think he kind of needs a mix of both. Right. And, and he works through that eventually. But like, like this is all I wrote on just that one little bit. <laughs> Lisa leaves after an argument so he can have peace to write. She makes a big deal about giving him space that he asked for. Then she calls him twice to check in on him. The fight was very relatable to me. It uh, it was someone stating their needs after a considerable amount of miscommunication, and those needs are interpreted as an attack. She asks him to talk to her the whole book, and then when he does, she turns on him because it's not something she wanted to hear. I relate to that way more than a normal person should.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point that's a good point don't ask for the truth if you don't want it yeah
0: and again i mean he obviously should have been more open earlier and he should have probably let her in on what was going on in his mind and by the end he does and you know they're they're back to their like kind of normal tete-a-tete and, and there's also an implication that he's found a better balance by the end because mm-hmm. it shows him like writing and she's like hey i need help with this and you can write later. Okay, I'll be right there. <laughs> and like they, they seem to have balanced their space and alone time a little better. But um, it was just funny to me that 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 hit me so hard. <laughs> like, yeah, if you don't if – you, if, if you hound somebody about them not talking to you, when they do talk to you, you need to accept it. Mm-hmm. And you, you need to allow them to feel safe in that. Because I think that's a lot of it too is that he clearly doesn't feel safe in a lot of aspects of his life. Right. So when somebody is telling them it's safe for you to talk to me and you do, and then they interpret it as attack and they, they, you know, you shouldn't have fucking done that. And then it's like, well, fuck that. Then like, why, why did I do that? Yeah.
1: Why did I stick my hand out only to have it slapped?
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: And there's a, there's another part in there where like, um, it's his editor. Yeah. His editor yeah. where, um, his editor takes him to the gym. Like, hey, you know, you just need to sweat it out. You know, you just need to get this off your chest and so he has a moment with him, too, where he's almost vulnerable. And he's like, look, I'm going to tell you what's on my mind. And then his editor interrupts him. And he writes, this is the fake, I'm, the face I make when I'm about to be vulnerable and someone interrupts me. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> There's also uh, when he talks about Huntington's at the beginning and he's researching the uh, symptoms of it. And one of the early symptoms of Huntington's is... Uh, Movement, uh, Twitch. uh, yeah, like like twitching or uh, involuntary yeah. Spasms. In, there you go, involuntary spasms. There's a part where he's reading that on the screen, and as he's reading it, the page isn't isn't filled, but you can see like the sound of him tapping his finger, right. And like it zooms in on involuntary movements, and at the bottom is tap tap tap. <laughs> <laughs> and that's such a like a that was a a very well done way of explaining that. And again, something, going back to our original conversation today, that's something that you wouldn't be able to get across that way in just prose. Exactly, exactly. Because comic books are a melding of images and reading. And it's not the same as a novel. It shouldn't be viewed the same as as just prose. Like, you know, again, like, like the whole fucking picture in the head thing. You're
1: <laughs> <laughs> here,
0: here. We've already talked about this, but uh, <laughs> I'm not going to let that die. Because i don't like thinking that people think that way
1: (laughs) well and there's speaking of visuals and graphic novels there's a great scene in there where he goes into the hospital to see his relative who has Huntington's Uh disease and i don't know how you felt looking at that but when i saw that drawing i my reaction was almost exactly like what his is on the next panel where you're just like whoa oh my god this is so frightening The enormity of it all right
0: seeing her like contorted body and everything Um, yeah, I wrote, uh, fucking right here, something about page 99. No matter how fast you walk, there are things you see that make you stop and think twice about your life. Incidents begging the question, are you adding to the world or taking away from it? It's a popular piece of personal religion, the belief that making, uh, making it from morning to night is really all you can manage. So much to consider in any given day. What to wear, how long will it take to get there? Eat, and eat what? Pebbly problems piling up more precisely than the stones at Giza. Have you paid your bills? Is today someone's birthday? Where are your keys? And how can you possibly balance the two existing worlds, work and home? But there are more worlds than just the little ones fractaling around you faster than you care to notice. Alternate universes where people pick through the trash cans to decide what to wear and eat. Townships where there are no bills because there is nothing to buy. Villages where children don't consider their births the least bit worth celebrating. Cities where keys are as moot as the doors they might unlock. These things remind us that it is not people from another planet who are supermen. It is any individual able to see past their own little world, reach out to the alternate ones beyond their limited scope of existence. That was, like, probably my favorite part in the book. Just that, that, uh realization that your tiny little fucking life doesn't matter (laughs) the only thing that matters is is the connections that we forge right and 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 again like what what you're adding to the world yes yes that was that was the only thing that i wrote is are you adding to the world or taking from it
1: which is really probably the only question that matters at the end of the day yeah exactly yeah
0: Have all these big questions about life the universe and everything but (laughs) are you adding or subtracting (laughs) <laughs> exactly. Well said. And I think that's, the, that's, the, that's the, at the end of the day, the question that Superman answers mm-hmm. is should, like, what, why do we look up to Superman? It's not because of the strength or the laser vision or the flight or the ability to knock down a city while you're punching bad guys like fucking Zack Snyder's Superman. At <laughs> the, the end of the day, he's adding to the world because he is helping people. And that's, you know, that's what you should be taking out of the character. Not, not his strength or his alienness or this or that or the red suit or whatever. It's the, the desire to help when you can.
1: Which is beautiful. Yeah,
0: <laughs> exactly. Great.
1: A good place to end unless you can think of anything else you'd like to say.
0: I don't know. I've, again, it's a great book. Definitely a vertigo. I really wish I would have timed it better. So that we could have done this immediately after the Snyder cut, because <laughs> that would have been a really nice—I uh, don't know—dichotomy of the character, like juxtaposition. The go. character is that—that that, is that even right for dichotomy?
1: You're not too far off, I don't
0: uh, think. Juxtaposition's better. Yes, it is. <laughs> um, just to see the two halves of the inspiration of the character, or the inspiration that the character has on others, I guess. Yes.
1: Yeah. And so, <laughs> uh, if only we had done that, that would have been great. But we are doing it now, and this is definitely a vertigo for me as well. Verta, step on the gas. It's a great book.
0: It's like somewhat timeless mm-hmm. because it, it was written in the I think early two thousands. I say two thousand four, three. I don't know. Maybe even later. I can't fucking two thousand four is it yeah okay um but it it could have it could just as easily apply to a writer today trying to nail the character or someone in the 80s you know
1: exactly exactly
0: and yeah it's just it's a great read and i if i recall it's not terribly expensive like it's i believe pretty easy to find and even for the hardback like crazy let me see it's a bird in books Dun,
1: dun, dun. No, you <laughs> piece of shit.
0: Other than, there's a new edition uh, for $15.99. Not too bad at all. Yeah. Came out in 2017. Yeah, they were they were uh, getting it out there to tie into Justice League. <laughs> Hardcover's 30 bucks. That's the edition that I have. That's not bad either. No. But you can get it used, yeah, about the same price. <laughs> um, but yeah, new paperback is 15 used, it's four. So, <laughs> no excuse to not buy it.
1: It's a good one to have on your shelf.
0: Yeah, and you could probably get it at, you know, your local comic book shop and or bookstore.
1: Probably, they I would order it. I for you. don't doubt
0: they have this at Giant Nerd.
1: I believe it. Yeah.
0: I can't remember where I got my copy. I think I got use it used at the comic shop here.
1: Get your own, folks.
0: All right, so that's it. It's a good book. You should read it. Understand Superman and a little bit about yourself.
1: <laughs> there you go. See, we discuss all sorts of things here.
0: These have been a couple of uh, like deeper episodes we've done recently. We have, in terms of uh, discussions about society and making yourself better and all that. So yeah,
1: so deep. We're so deep.
0: That's well, it's it's transmet and it's a bird. It's it's elevating us (laughs) because
1: of the art. Because we read graphic novels.
0: I was just going to say my my only real problem with Transmetropolitan is that I wasn't able to picture the characters on my own. <laughs> I just I had a very specific idea of what I wanted Spider Jerusalem to look like <laughs> after I saw the artist's drawing of Spider Jerusalem. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's never going to be dumb or not that's never not going to be dumb to me. I'm, that's oh, God.
1: Be, be patient with people because when you explain it, it's like, yeah, that makes sense.
0: I have lost patience for large segments of humanity.
1: <laughs> Are you becoming curmudgeonly?
0: Probably. Like? Maybe that's why I'm identifying with Spider more now. <laughs> is just because I've, I'm more like him. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: well, I well, got the glasses. You do.
1: You do, you do have the glasses. <laughs>
0: All right, we're done. Um, end of the show. Like and subscribe, share, listen, download it multiple times. You know, if you're not listening to the show five or six times in a row, are you even listening to it at all?
1: <laughs> and write us some hate mail, write us some love letters. Yeah. I, I don't know. I,
0: I would hope that we'd get some good hate mail after these <laughs> last couple episodes. <laughs> I spent a good chunk of time pissing off Christians last time. And just religious, religious people in general. I, it's, not, it's not that I dislike Christians more than any other religion. I just deal with them more often.
1: <laughs> but please know that yeah. his dislike for humanity crosses it's, all borders and religious faiths. It's,
0: it's belief. It's,
1: <laughs> there you
0: go. Uh, but follow on Twitter at Vertigo Voices or Instagram Vertigo Voices. Or email us at the address vertigovoices at gmail.com.
1: Do all that good stuff. Yeah. We would appreciate it. And you know where to find us. We'll be yeah. back.
0: Yeah, and read some Superman. Maybe maybe watch the Snyder Cut while you have this book in your hand. It <laughs> greatly enhance the experience. <laughs>
1: and maybe take some drugs at the same time.
0: I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you know... Uh, medicate yourself beforehand.
1: (laughs) I think that's a a good (laughs) pre-warning.
0: All right, we are done. So goodbye.
1: Farewell.